Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into UAP Weekly. It is the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. Stephen Diener back with you here as always as we go into uh, a continuation here. It's part two of my discussion with Anthony Williams, the man who goes by the name of Anthony Williams uh, because we can't use his real name. And he is a special operations analyst in uh, part with the Special Operations Command uh, doing a lot of great work for the United States and for the military, analyzing different videos that come through, whether it's UAP or otherwise. Um, there's a lot of information that, that comes across his desk and, and his department um, having to do with a lot of things, global affairs and, and, the, and the sort. But one of the things that he deals with, as you heard in part one, is a lot of UAP reports and news and videos. Uh, it's really interesting stuff, and Anthony Williams is privy to a lot of information and he was kind enough and and, uh, and gracious enough to uh, spend his time here with me on UAP. So much so, so much time that we had to break this in to two parts for this discussion because we spoke for over an hour and a half. So that's why I said, you know what, let's come out with a part two and we'll break this up nicely. So today is part two of this discussion. Some of the things we get into that you didn't hear in part one as we are basically just going to pick up right where we left off. No skipping anything. Just going to pick it right up in the conversation where we start talking about what is the U.S. military not showing us. Of all the UAP videos that have come out, whether it's the jellyfish or any other video that we've seen, what are some of the video or the Mosul orb, you know, all these different videos that have leaked what other videos have we not seen? So we get into some of that. Apparently, there's a lot more than we realize and very, very interesting on where they're showing up as well. So we talk about that and we get into the case of the uh, Miami aliens. What was going on there? What is his take on it from his you know, professional point of view? And what kind of chatter has he come across in his own work analyzing all this stuff? What, what's being said behind the scenes is there anything being said behind the scenes? Or are they hiding things from him? There's a lot to go into with that and much more. Really great discussion here. To finish off this discussion, it's part two with myself and Anthony Williams behind the curtain of military intelligence. Here you go. Can you elaborate at all on some of the stuff that the general public has not seen that you guys are analyzing? Like any type of tidbits without getting anyone, including yourself, in trouble? So when, when people say that certain, you know, videos, objects are defying the laws of physics, um, there are certain level of analysis 
that attempt to refute that statement. So even exploring open source, like you can Google right now, different forms of propulsion, different things that are theoretical or have been experimented that, you know, the general public doesn't have a good feel on these things that may be better refined in these classified and compartmented programs may be a thing. So there, there's another whole level of scrutiny involved into plausibility um, that would not be readily known to the average observer. Um, I will say that uh, different videos that have been seen of objects flying through combat zones, there are more than just what has been released to the public. And mm. I think what we've seen released to the public is because some either brave or crazy soul, uh, you know, leaked uh, a classified video. A lot of these videos are classified just because of the platform that recorded it. Um, mm. You know, those have been leaked. So those have been seen. That doesn't mean everything that has been seen has been leaked. And, and I'll leave it at that. Interesting. Okay. And that, you know, also you start to think about why these things over battle zones, but I guess that's, that's an entirely different question, but I'm, I'm wondering too, and this goes, I think to, to the bigger picture. Um, you talk about, you know, the cover up, so to speak, right? Everybody hears the word cover up and they think, Oh, you're one of the crazy conspiracy theorists. But when you talk about just the, the hiding of secrets, whatever you want to call it over the past 80 plus years, possibly and here we are at the point in 2024, where they are so deep in the operation of hiding secrets and, and hiding truth from the general public. I wonder personally, and I, I want to get your opinion on it, do you think it's to the point where the government or government entities or private companies, whoever it might be, or all the above, are to the point where they don't want to disclose because ultimately now that means, well, shoot, we're going to have to admit that we've been lying about X, Y, and Z for the past 80 years. And, you know, X, Y, and Z cannot possibly get us in trouble because we broke some laws on this other end and we've been lying about it for so long. We're going to have to admit to everything. Right. Well, yeah. So here's, here's my thought. Here's my personal belief based on what I have studied and what I've, what I've had access to that the average person doesn't. And here's how it translates in my mind. Um, if you look back to MK Ultra, the CIA uh, program, when that came out, real quick question, think CIA is happy or not happy? They, they probably were not happy about it. <laughs> really not happy, right? Yeah. Like really not happy. And it doesn't mean everybody in the CIA wasn't happy. The people that were involved in it that thought this was righteous work, they're really not happy. So let's let's take that approach looking at this subject, right? Um, up until the Trump administration, the Air Force was the entity responsible for space warfare, right? So they had the, 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 the Space Command, the Air Force Space Command within the Air Force that still exists today, just in a little bit different role. We now have the Space Force, um, you know, that leverages different aspects of space down and in, low Earth orbit, medium Earth orbit, geosynchronous space, you know, all these different levels of orbit, which we could, man, we could go down a rabbit hole just with that. Hmm. Prior to Space Force, for all these decades, the Air Force was responsible for this. So let's go back, all the way back to Roswell. Roswell happens. We have newspaper reports. We have eyewitnesses that 
you know, the UFOs, flying saucers, aliens, this thing is not in the lexicon of everyday talk in 1947. It is known by the government. We have the Foo Fighters in 45. We have other known, you know, sightings throughout the time, arguments going back to the 30s. The government is aware that there are these things. Um, and who is the first one to change the story from eyewitness, eyewitness account to government story? It's the Air Force. Hmm. The Air Force, the very next day, takes uh, physical control of the items recovered in the crash, um, takes, takes control of them, and then immediately puts out a story um, that doubles down. And it's the first, it's the first time we see, you know, an eyewitness account that, that is, that is completely refuted by the government and buried away. And, and the explanation doesn't make sense. The punishment doesn't fit the crime. So the actions that the Air Force took with those items do not match the fact that they were weather balloon parts, right? Mm. So we, we see our first rub with Air Force action. Now, within the Department of Defense, within our government, within our military, people hire private companies all the time and contract out various levels of work. All the companies' names that you are hearing being thrown out by Dave Grush, by some of these other people that are coming forward, the Lockheed Martins, the Raytheons, the Northrop Grumman's, all these big companies, they are aerospace companies. They have had contracts with the Air Force for decades, going all the way back to the 40s and 50s. So as the Air Force is the first, and they are looked at with all the most precious sensors, whatever that level of technology exists, when it talks to space and sky, they are the, the, the proponent for that capability and for that knowledge. And they have been the hardest refuters, okay? Now we're talking about FOIA, becoming national law how do we move things out of government hands so it can't be foiled well one the government can deem anything part of national security and not have to release it but an easier method too and also a way to get people working on stuff is give it to your trusted agents your trusted uh big companies that have been your lead for aeronautical technology for decades for over half a century um, and with that, you get these company names. If you look at the UAP task force report that came out in June of 2021, they talk about 144 incidents that came in that were analyzed. Of that, in that report, 30, only 31 came in from the Air Force. They have all the sensors, space, ground-based, air-based, all these things. Why does the Navy, which their main thing is boats, a supplemental capability is aircraft. Why does the Navy have so many more reports on this stuff than the Air Force, whose sole capability is space and air? Okay, so the Air Force is 31. Of that, only 16 were analyzed to make that report. So of the 144, 143 were deemed anomalous. Of that, 16 were from the Air Force. Almost just a little over 10%. All the rest came from everybody else. So the people with all the capability to grab it have only a marginal amount. Of that, 12 were verbal story only. Four had accompanied very low quality video that provided no additional evidence other than the, the human report. 
Okay. So nothing of substance coming out of the Air Force. If I were going to write a point paper today or um, an op-ed, it would be titled, Where's the Air Force? Hmm. And if you look at quantity having a quality all of its own for the mass civilian reports over the, the decades, uh, the absence of reporting has a quality all of its own. When you have every other aspect of government providing all these reports and the people that show should know the most about it saying the least and providing the least amount of data, I think that's where you go. And this is me. I, I, I don't have any other insider knowledge other than my belief when using an analytical mind on this. That's where that leads me. Where's the Air Force on this? If someone's hiding something, it's probably the people saying the least or saying the bare minimum to not raise eyebrows. Well, we'll make sure that we have a few reports, but we don't want too many. Mm. And none of them are going to be good enough to where anyone's going to want to dig into them. That's what we got in that in that report. We're out of 143 that were deemed anomalous, uh, 90% didn't come from the people that should be able to grab the most amount of data. So essentially the Air Force, as, you know, as far as a, you know, a branch in the military, would have the most to lose with a lot of this information coming out or putting out the information themselves. It sure seems that way, even to the aspect of in that report, it cites, you know, Eglin Air Force Base and Seymour Johnson are two of the most uh, incidents happening around those bases as reported by the Air Force and the Navy. Well, when our representatives go down to Eglin Air Force Base with their highest level of security clearance, they're stonewalled again by who? Right. By the Air Force commanders of that installation. So, you know, uh, I'm not saying they are or aren't. I'm just saying, you know, if it looks like a duck, smells like a duck and quacks like a duck, the people with the highest amount of ability to have information seem to have the least amount when their sole job is to analyze and monitor our skies, both for homeland defense and for strategic competition around the world. So it, to me, if you go back historically and you look at what's happening right now, um, you know, the, where is the Air Force? They're, they're, they're obviously absent from the conversation. So it sounds like, Anthony, that there is a, like a power struggle really happening within the military itself and within the intelligence communities in the military, that there's almost like a back and forth of, I want to say something. No, you're not going to say something like, is it, am I accurate with it? Yeah. It's not so much a back and forth as much as it's stovepipes, right? So if, if, if the air force is a proponent for this specific project for, you know, developing a hypersonic weapon system, well, that's going to be compartmented. And even though the Navy has things to do with flight, maybe they'll employ that system. They don't necessarily get to know what the right hand is doing during development. Okay. So these things are stovepipes. So, you know, DOD blanketly puts out, Hey, you need to report this. Here's how you do it. Um, but that the, the reporting is stovepipe. So Navy reports their stuff, goes up through their intelligence process, and then goes into the intelligence community writ, writ large for analysis. The Air Force, their stuff is stovepiped, and their guidance may be different. So it's not a it's not a matter of, of, of a power struggle between Navy, Marine Corps, Army, or Air Force. It's that every branch of service has their own interpretation and how they're going to execute that policy and that guidance that's given out, put out, or directed um, in a joint staff directive or in any of these other means. So 
if the Air Force has an internal policy that has an exquisite level of protection and they've had it for decades, you can slap on anything into that if you want to hide it. And if everything that they have or find, if nothing's coming out, you know, the, the Navy can't look at them and say, hey, you're lying about X because they're not seeing X unless X gets put out to the greater community. So what you're really looking at as stovepipes to wherever that information terminates. And either the Air Force is horrible at their job, which I don't believe we have the most powerful and intelligent people working in that branch of service. I mean, really impressive people. So let's just assume they're not incompetent. Um, then there's a stovepipe that's terminating somewhere. Well, and I guess that's where the disconnect happens and why we haven't seen, you know, what we call total disclosure, full, dis you know, full disclosure, however you want to, I guess, label it. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, still unanswered questions this is why we're talking about all this right now. And I'm sure yeah, that's right. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to download the new Bumble now. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's probably frustrating for you, honestly. I mean, is, is it frustrating for you and, and for, you know, your coworkers, so to speak, who look at the, these reports and, and look at these videos every day and analyze it? And then you say to yourself, when can we just put this stuff out there? Yeah, I, I frustrating. I, I don't know about frustrating. I think it's exciting um, okay. to me. To me, I look at this stuff and, and it's exciting to go on and look at things and, and and listen to people's analysis and listen to the discourse, even within the community of qualified individuals. It's exciting to me to see that that we haven't we have a group of the right people really, really crashing on a problem set. I think the point of frustration is that um, there's still with with all this that is coming out, 
it still hasn't been opened up beyond that to really get the whole of society crashing on it. You have brilliant scientists at civilian institutions all over the place, at different think tanks, at different, you know, all these, all these different, you know, big brain organizations, you know, that are, that are not affiliated with government work at all. And some that are affiliated with government work that, man, it would be amazing if, if we could go after, you know, when, when we look at, you know, everyone's talking cyber and cyber threats, right? So within the military, you know, now that this capability is coming out and we're all learning, civilians and military are all learning about it at the same, same time. How do we get smart about it right away? Well, we recruit people that are already smart on it. How great would it be if we could just acknowledge some of this and go out and recruit some of the brightest and best from everywhere and offer them up a piece of the pie to come and collaborate on some of this? I think that's where my frustration is. And when you listen to a lot of the other whistleblowers, I think where that that's where their frustration is. None of us, me included, think that we should be compromising any sort of national security at all. I refuse mm. to do it. But I think everyone that knows something about anything also agrees that not all this information getting out is a risk to national security. It's a risk to the way we view the world. Well, that, that those things change all the time. Um, you know, we hundreds of years ago put people to death for coming out and saying that the earth was round. You yeah. know, our global perspective changes with scientific breakthroughs. This is just the next, you know, change in, in world perspective. And it's okay that we have a change. Uh, it doesn't change, you know, oh, we find out the world's round, not flat. Well, religions of the day didn't go away. They wouldn't go away now. And, and you know, it, in some aspects, it may amplify certain beliefs and certain religions. Um, and how much is it really going to change with our day-to-day? -day? I think it's just going to change our worldview and allow for more, you know, analytical work and scientific work to be done um, you know, that, that already exists, that's not allowed to, it's not been allowed thus far to be applied to these topics and these discussions. That's really great perspective. I think Anthony, it's, it's, you know, and it's well put because kind of, you know, look at it, kind of step back and look at it. It makes sense, right. In how things might be, you know, how world views change. And it feels like we're at the doorstep of that. It feels like we're getting closer and closer to kind of like, you know, the, the, the precipice of that change. But it just feels like people still aren't ready to accept the change or hear the change, maybe even. I, I, it's hard. I guess, right. You know, we just got to keep pushing forward, I guess, in that essence. Um, I want to go back to something real quick, which, by the way, I appreciate you spending all this time here today on you. Yeah, no problem. You still have a few minutes. I don't want to, you know. Oh, yeah. No, stay. no, we're, we're good. Um. I want to go back a little bit to something that you mentioned that I found really interesting. I was going to leave alone, but I'm like, I got to ask about this since I have you, you <laughs> mentioned some of the videos um, or reports, even that you've you know analyzed or you, your community has analyzed that show other craft within battle zones. Um, and we've yep. seen videos like that, like the Mosul orb in Iraq and, you know, different things, you know, the Tic Tac and, and so on and so forth. Tic Tac was more training, you know, near San Diego. But why do you think now, now? I don't expect you to elaborate further on that. Obviously, you can only say so much when it comes to those videos and those reports about these craft being seen in battle zones. But 
your best guess from an analysis standpoint, why do you think we are seeing so many reports throughout history, throughout the decades, whether it be nuclear sites or battle zones of these craft being so prevalent within those areas? What is what is the correlation? Yeah, um, let, let me give you an analogy to help explain that. That's a great question. And and again, my opinion, um, if if you want to buy a car, you're going to go to a car dealership. But if you want to buy an eggplant, you're going to go to a grocery store. Those are two different things that you need for completely different purposes. The two are not related at all. Um, and they're not co-located in the same area. So if this is observation being done or intelligence being gathered, the reason why you would go over middle America and interact with a civilian population is 100% a different reason of why you would go and analyze a military area, a restricted airspace or a combat zone. Completely different purpose. The things that are going on um, with potentially cattle mutilations or all these other different things that are potentially part of this, there's, there's a big difference in what they could be wanting to glean, right? The other thing is, well, is it happening there more or do we just have better sensors there? Um, the answer is both. Mm. We have better sensors there that when they capture these things, they're, they're a qualified sensor, whether it's a human sensor or uh, a technical sensor, they're higher qualified, more believable to make the observation of what they're seeing. Um, but back to something I said earlier, quantity has a quality all of its own. When you have before internet, before national media, when you have thousands and thousands of reports coming all over the civilian population all across the 48 states and honestly globally, all having similar stories and there's no way those could have been shared and there's no way within the same week, month, the same thing could have been seen, described the exact same way all throughout. So quantity has a quality all of its own. If some of those are fake news, uh, not all of them can be. Some of them are, are, are too specific to not be real. So why over a combat zone? Why over our nuclear sites? Why over our military test range? Well, that is the highest end of our technology, our capability, and a keyword, use. Hmm. In a combat zone, you see this technology being used. In a training area, you see this technology being practiced or trained with. So if someone is observing that or wants to learn about that or why this is occurring, that is a practical application. Uh, hmm. You don't just buy a car because of its looks. You test drive it, you learn all about it, you study it, then you make an informed decision. Why would they be observing combat zones? Because it is a practical application of our highest ends of technology uh, applied in the most violent and, and horrific of ways. Um, even, even if you, even if you're from a society, you know, from a, from an unreached population of the planet and you got piped in a reality TV show of a combat zone, you'd be glued to that. You'd be like, what are these people doing? Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're unaware of the, the geopolitical landscape that led to the, the war, or the conflict, you'd be glued to it. It, it would, it would look horrific. So, why they would be seen over Kansas versus Baghdad, I feel two very different distinct reasons. 
analyzing two very different things. You are not going to see over Kansas what you're going to see over a combat zone. And in Kansas, you are not going to be seen as likely to do other types of research or observations that you can't do because of the volume of high quality sensors in a combat zone. Does that, does that make sense? It does. And I think it kind of brings up a concerning thought in my mind, to be honest with you, because it sounds like it comes down to straight up reconnaissance. And then the question is, well, if this is reconnaissance from a call it, you know, extraterrestrial point of view, then you're talking about reconnaissance one of two reasons. It would be reason one. We're watching out for you guys. We want to make sure that things don't get out of hand. So we're watching your capabilities and how much you're evolving and what you're doing, which, you know, is, is obviously a prevalent theory with some, uh, you know, alien theorists, I guess, if you want to say, you know, kind of like a big brother reconnaissance type, right? Big brother's watching to make sure, sure. that you're not going to, you know, break your leg when you're, when you're jumping off the roof or something. The other reason for reconnaissance would be, what are your capabilities if we get into a fight? What are your capabilities? What what are your your techniques if push comes to shove and we have to go up against one another? So there's one of two reasons for reconnaissance, and that's just my outlook, no military background or anything like that. Like yourself. Yeah. Am I off base there or no, you're not. And that that's what goes to I really appreciate your analytical brain. So you know, uh, course of action A, observing with the big brother lens, right? Like, let's get into that. That that should be comforting. Right. If there's someone that, that's watching us, like how we study chimpanzees and how they start murdering monkeys to eat monkeys, that's a real thing. If people didn't know about that, mm. uh, you know, we're observing that. We're we're learning more about it. They're they're not a threat to us, but we're still observing it and watching their behavior and learning. Um, if the monkeys started to develop weapons that could subsequently wipe themselves out or hurt other species or wipe us out, we would interdict like a big brother. So if that's the purpose of the observation, then, then that should be comforting. If, if the second is assumed, if we assume that uh, potential for adversarial interaction with, with these, uh, you know, other civilizations or other entities or people from another dimension or whatever, wherever they could be from, if, if that's the assumption, then we're putting on our world bias that we must be close to the peer level with them. Hmm. When, when the U.S. went to war in World War II, there was no assurance or even belief or honestly very little confidence that we were going to win. But we knew we had no other choice but war. And there was a lot of praying and a whole country approach. When we invaded Iraq in 2003, we didn't know how many casualties we would take, but there was no doubt in anyone's mind we were going to win that. We were a superior military fighting an inferior military. So for us to assume that this phenomenon or these this species or civilization or whatever is threatened by our technological advancements, that is putting an assumption on them that we are closer to the peer level than we are inferior level, and they may need to check us before we are a threat to them. Since we don't even know, since we don't openly know who, who quote unquote, they are um, or how to even find them, um, or maybe we do, um, you know, number one could be plausible or it might not be at all. And I, I'm not... 
saying I support or defend uh, the second option of, you know, they're, they're studying for nefarious reasons. Um, you know, I think, I think cases like the Dulce base mm. after some of the skiff briefings and you hear what the representatives have said, I think there's a lot more validity to stories like that than there was before David Grush and before these classified briefings. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that there is an, you know, we're approaching an imminent, uh, you know, war of the world scenario. Doesn't mean that we're not, you know, that could be the terrifying truth that, you know, that some people say is behind the need for not disclosing. Um, I can't say that one way or the other, but, but you're right. You're looking at that the right way. Either it's big brother which should be comforting. That's not going to let us blow ourselves up hmm. or, you know, it's someone, you know, and maybe it's someone just looking at how we're using the resources on our planet, confused as to why we didn't take the, the Tesla route and why we took the combustion route. You know, it, it could be that simple. Hey, we have all the same resources you do. And we got to a way different answer, you know, mm -hmm. that now we're getting to, you know, alternatives to fossil fuels, um, you know, there was a, a concerted effort uh, financially pushed decades ago to to pursue fossil fuels, you know, and it set our economy in place the way it is. So, you know, maybe maybe there's a third option. They're just confused as to how we got to where we're at. You know, now they're they're studying every aspect of it. Yeah, no, that's fascinating, man. And it's just <laughs> I know we'll have much more to talk about in the future. Um, so I do want to get to a couple more things before I. Let you yep. go on your way here today and get to all the you know important work that that you have to do. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get to was actually for me local, as as you know, and you know any listener knows to to the show I've mentioned before. I'm down here in South Florida. That's where I'm stationed, so to speak. Um, and something happened here within the past couple of weeks. Really, at the start of the year, I mean, literally like almost New Year's Day in 20, for 2024, we started off the year with reports of eight to ten foot aliens in Miami at a mall in Miami. And there's been a lot of talk about this. I actually, I mean, the episode I did last week was about it. Spoke about all the different theories and the reports and the questions. What is your takeaway on that? Were you guys talking about that at all in your, you know, in, in your community of, you know, special operations where you're looking at all these things? Does, does that come up? Are you guys looking at reports from, you know, these strange eight to 10 foot alien reports out of Miami? Yeah. So, so first of all, I thought you nailed it. Uh, with, oh, with you. your, <laughs> with your approach to it. I really do. And, and so, yeah, so we've, we've discussed it and I've had these conversations with people and it goes back to where's the air force, right? That same mindset. So let's look at just the facts, just what we know are facts. This Miami is a major metropolis, uh, metropolis area, right? right? Massive population, huge. I don't have the exact number, but it's more than the population of the capital Pierre, South Dakota, right? Yeah. Like it is a massive city, massive police force. This is an event that I can't think of any other time in recent history where the entire Miami police department in their entirety is brought in on an all call emergency, including aircraft. Ground response, command centers, everything is flooding this area and in a, in a in a response that that we have frankly 
maybe have never seen in that city. And other than 9-11, show me another time when we had that, including in Miami, federal agencies responding. Again, other than 9-11, and before that, maybe the bombing of the World Trade Center or the uh, Olympic bombing in 96 in Atlanta, show me a time where we've had a city that large crash federal assets, everything the city has to bear, and it doesn't make the news. Yeah. To me, the thing that stood out harder than anything is you have a couple personal videos taken, and it is crickets mm-hmm. out of everybody. There's not, I, I was asking the same questions when I saw this going down that you did, uh, which is where's the body cam footage from the police? Right. Where is the dash cam footage from the squad cars? Ever since George Floyd, Rodney King, those two incidents combined, there is not an officer in the United States, even the least funded, most rural police department has body cams. Mm. There's not one. And then and then the explanation, if you go back to the punishment doesn't fit the crime, 18 hoodlums lighting off fireworks or maybe fighting. Those are the two answers given. Let me explain how teenagers respond when five cops roll into the mall with guns drawn. Do you think they stick around and say, forget you, copper, I'm lighting off fireworks? No, they run. Mm -hmm. They flee. So you don't, it, the response given is not required by the accusation made that this is 18 kids fighting or letting off fireworks. The amount of people recorded fleeing and the amount of fear and panic as they, they, they're not running, they are fleeing. There's a difference when you, when you run away from something because it might blow up versus you're being chased with a guy with a knife. Hmm. There's a difference in that run. Right. And I've, I've experienced that. Hmm. Um, these people are fleeing. So you don't flee. Maybe you flee with people fighting, you know, 200 yards away. You don't flee half a mile, a mile, and keep running. Yeah. Um, these are people that are terrified. And they're not terrified because there was a fight. They're not terrified because there are fireworks indoors. Now, maybe they thought there were explosions. Okay. Got it. Does is that requisite of an all of whole of government response to that level when even initial responders could say it's fireworks? No, that, that would not be that way. And the fact that the fact that it didn't make the news, let's say it's fireworks and, and, and we hit the, you know, the Batman red light and the whole of government crashes on it. There would be no problem with coming out on the news and saying, Wow, wild times in Miami Mall tonight. Yeah. Uh, You know, think about the guy that crashed the border, the guy and his wife that crashed the border, the Border Patrol station up on the U.S.-Canadian border. Right. That first came out as terrorism. Did the whole of government respond? No. Just the local people to that area. And we thought it was terrorism. It got reported as a bomb, secondary device, terrorism. It came out within four hours that... Yeah, it wasn't a bomb, wasn't terrorism. A guy arguing with his wife. We don't know what the motivations are, and we never will. That did, you know, that got reported. That made national news. It, yeah, right off the bat, a, a, something like that incident. So again, it goes back to 
sometimes no reporting is reporting in itself. The fact that nothing was was said, spoken, or allowed out tells me the same thing that you concluded. There is way more to this than the story that's being told. There, A story of reality is definitely being concealed. And if some firsthand accounts are saying what they're saying, that is plausibility right there. Not mm. saying that that's what it is, but I came to the same conclusion you did. And that's, and did you guys see anything come across, you know, come across your desk, so to speak, with any of these reports, anything to refute or corroborate, you know, any one report versus the other? You know, the discussions really just revolve around what I said. Okay. To, to glean that type of response, we look at other incidents that get that type of response. Gotcha. And then we look at other massive incidents that are all over the news, sometimes for days, that don't get that response. Yeah. And for that type of response and that lack of reporting, it's deliberate. They're, they're deliberately concealing whatever really happened there. That's, that's obvious. And that's, that's a conclusion we've all come to as well. Wild. And it's, so then the question becomes why, right? And there was actually one more thing right. um, from that, a, a piece of the puzzle, so to speak, that I didn't mention in my episode on this last week that I, um, intentionally I didn't mention. And I actually got emails and messages from people saying, why didn't you mention this? And the reason why I didn't mention what I'm about to mention now is because I didn't know if it was real or not. And, and now that, to be fair, I mentioned a lot of things on UAP that I don't know if it's real or not. And that's why I put it out <laughs> right. to the side. But in this particular scenario, I didn't want to put out something that was a fake video on Twitter and then be made to look like a moron for falling for it, really, is what it came down to. Right. And what I'm referring to now, and it seems legit, so I'll mention it, is a video that came out of a kid, you know, 20 years old, somewhere in there, college, college age kid, calling his dad, who is a supposedly um, higher up within the Miami PD, actually running for sheriff with Miami PD. And someone's video videoing the kid, FaceTiming his dad. And he asks his dad, hey, dad, what can you tell me about what, you know, what happened to aliens in Miami? And deadpan, serious face, the dad was not laughing because the kid was kind of joking around about it. Like, hey, dad, you know, tell me about the aliens. And the dad, dead serious, like, I, I can't talk about anything that happened there. And asked him, hey, he's like, whoa. And he kind of was like taken aback. And he's, you know, again, speaking to his dad, he's thinking, you messing around with me? Like, you know, I was just joking around. Like, that's, like you really can't mention anything? He's like, yeah, don't, don't ask me about it. I can't talk about it. And it turns yeah. out that this video, it seems Anthony is legit because there was some digging that went into it. And the dad is a guy who really is in Miami PD and running for sheriff. So there's yeah. something to this and we don't know what it is exactly. No, for sure. Let, let's say, let's say that it's guys in nuclear protective gear dropping off a suitcase nuke in the mall. Right. Mm. That, we might not want that to get out, that, that mm -hmm. our malls are susceptible to a suitcase nuclear device that could blow up and kill everybody, right? Yeah. Maybe we need to keep that under wraps. And the guys that are wearing these suits look like eight-foot aliens, right? And then if they're not going to let the story out, but this kid calls his dad on a private phone call and says, Dad, what's up with the aliens? I can't tell you about it, but it's, it's not aliens. But he doesn't say that. Right, that's true. He just says, I can't talk about that topic at all, which is at a whole nother level. 
Mm. I get asked all the time by my family about things that are classified that I can't get into them about. But when they approach me with wazoo crazy theories, I can say, that's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into what it is, but that's insane. You know, <laughs> I can see why maybe you got there, but no. Um, if it were anything else, anything else that would need to be kept secret, and it's definitely not aliens. And this kid is joking about with his dad, and the alien possibility is laughable. Then his dad relaxed and said, son, I can't get into what happened, but it definitely wasn't aliens. You know, that is not at all what's said. The right. dad is stone cold Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. He's not make he's not cracking a smile. And he says, I cannot talk about that to his yeah. kid. Yeah. And not like his eight-year-old kid, his adult son. So, you know, again, that's just another amplifying piece of data that that leads to the fact of something happened there. It's not what they told us happened there. And again, there's a cover-up. Again, yeah. And I think that's the key word. And I think something else worth mentioning there from that particular video that we're talking about. The dad didn't know he was being that the FaceTime call was being recorded. He didn't call his dad and be like, hey, dad, I'm recording this this call. One of his buddies was in the corner recording their FaceTime call unbeknownst to the dad. Right. So he didn't know that was right. even going to go out on social media. So even more so, the dad's thinking he's having a private FaceTime conversation with his son. And in that moment, right. he's still telling his son, yeah, don't ask me about it. I can't talk about Miami. Right. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> I'll get you out of here on this, Anthony. Again, thank you so much, Anthony Williams, spending so much time talking about this. Um, second year, second appearance here on the show. You are a wealth of knowledge. Um, someone who has served our country, and thank you for that. I've, I've thanked you before, but I'll thank you again uh, for serving our country the way that you have over the years. Um, you know, in combat and out of combat. And you're someone who works within, you know, special operations analysis for all these different things that are going on in our world right now, even outside of, you know, talks of UAP and aliens. There's a lot of other things that you watch and take care of as well, you know, with global affairs. So your time is valuable and your work is valuable. So, again, I appreciate all your time that, that you give here. Um, that said, after that long uh, prologue, I'll get you out here on this. What is your view on the course for disclosure kind of taking everything in that you've analyzed and you know been read into over say the past let's just say the past five years and the way that it's developed and ramped up what is your view for i guess how you see this going are we heading toward catastrophic disclosure as they say where it just boom everything's going to come out deal with it or are we heading more towards kind of where it's been Here's the slow drip. Here's a little bit more information. Here's a little bit more information. Or, or is it an in-between? How do you see this playing out in, in the future? So, I, you know, great point. First of all, you know, as we're wrapping up here, I want to say thank you for having me again. It's an honor to be uh, on your show. Additionally, I'd like to say that this show and show other podcasts like it, are the real honest discussions that can be trusted by people today. And, and it's important work. It, it is, it is these type of podcasts that have driven and created a large amount of content that demands answers. Okay. So, and it leads me to my, my final point on disclosure and where I think it's going to go. Um, 
unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, like I stated, we have disclosure on certain items and claims that Grush has made. They have been validated uh, by congressional representatives. Whether people think that's good enough or not, it is what it is. That's a reality. The problem is from here on out, and I use the example of MK Ultra with the CIA, how long did it take for the CIA to regain the population's trust after MK Ultra? I will tell you that with certain members of the population, they still don't trust the CIA. Before the Department of Defense trusted the CIA again, honestly, it was almost all the way up until 9-11. That was damaged for decades. So when we look at disclosure, when the government comes out and however it, whatever level it is that each individual person needs to reconcile in their own mind is good enough for them. Um, when it's good enough for the majority, um, you know, when, when we have the tipping point, when it, when, when, um, when we have the, uh, what's the term that's used in business a lot? The, um, oh man, I'm blanking on it. That big snafu. You probably want to edit this out. Uh, <laughs> the, um, uh, oh man. Oh, the, the, the critical mass. When enough of the critical mass uh, believes that they have been disclosed to and we hit that critical mass, whether that's half the population, a third of the population, 70% of the population all now believes that this thing is real. The government acknowledges what they believe. Here's where disclosure runs into a problem. Okay, you acknowledge these things aren't created here on earth by any known means. You admit that they've been coming in and out of our atmosphere, in and out of our water, in and out of everywhere, with impunity and unexplainable. You admitted that you captured biologics. Who are they? Where did they come from? What's their intent? Those are probably the next three questions. If the government's honest answer is, we don't know, who's gonna believe them? Hmm. Because it's been covered up for so long that just like the CIA not being fully trusted, didn't mean the CIA was lying about anything they put out, but they had to earn that trust back. They had to earn the trust back with other government agencies. They had to earn that trust back with the Department of Defense. And they had to earn that trust back with the civilian uh, population that, frankly, is in control of government, that owns government. So when the government does disclose to a point where there is a critical mass of the population agrees and believes in disclosure, that is going to push the next set of questions the next answer is being demanded for. And the problem is what we know or don't know. Maybe we know something, but now it does fall into that national security that they're not going to answer. Or what if we just honestly don't know? And either way, that is going to continue to look like a cover-up. That is going to continue to look like hiding. Um, now you've got whatever political party is in power that is at the microphone when that comes out, well, forget them and the other political parties are going to use it as leverage and this and that. And so you, you see the dilemma just from a geopolitical standpoint that disclosure creates when it hits critical mass. So I am all for catastrophic disclosure. I will be the first to 
pop a bag of popcorn and sit on my couch and watch the fireworks and be like, this is awesome. You know, when I hear people losing their minds and screaming at politicians and yelling at, you know, spokespeople from different government agencies, I'll be eating popcorn, laughing and giggling like I was watching, you know, uh, uh, you know, a Dumb and Dumber movie or something. But um, I think those are realities that we need to just accept that, hey, look at what happened when this came out. That, that was not disclosure. That was caught and found by Congress and dragged out to the point where they had to say, uh, yeah, our bad. So mm. whenever whoever's hiding this, if this congressional effort works and they can do the same thing and drag it out and pull it out, and now we have this, well, get ready for those next three questions. Who are they? Where they're from? What's their intent? And whether the answer is we do know and we can't tell you or the answer is we, we, we don't know and we're not going to tell you, or we're not going to admit that we know and we're not going to tell you, hmm. none of those responses are going to be believable for a long time. It will take a long time to regain trust. And I don't think anyone is going to blame any administration in the past because they're all complicit hmm. for whatever reason. I would like to believe that decisions were made with within the best interest of our population. I would like to believe that um, going back several decades. Whether that is the case now, I don't know that I believe that. Sometimes we do things because that's the way we've always done things. That's not necessarily a good answer. Well, really great perspective, Anthony, on, on all of this. And man, we covered a lot of bases, a lot of subjects. And quite frankly, we could probably keep going uh, for, for hours on end. So that said, hopefully you'll be uh, able to come back here at some points as you know more and more things develop. Maybe more whistleblowers, the whistleblower that you and I were talking about earlier, you know, when, when that takes place um, sometime this year and these stories continue to develop, I'd love to have you on again to get your perspective and get the information that you're able to pass along. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, uh, anytime I'm, I'm always happy to lend perspective. And again, uh, just one man's perspective, but coming from a, from a different vantage point, you know, hopefully what we talk about is helpful to someone. And, uh, again, just thank you for what you're doing. No, absolutely, man. Thank you. And thank you for your time. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Anthony Williams. Thanks so much. And there you have it. Part two behind the curtain military intelligence with Anthony Williams, someone who, has a front row seat to everything going on behind the scenes. So, again, really appreciate his time and his perspective on everything. It was really great to get his outlook on all this, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. So hopefully you enjoyed these two parts because, quite honestly, we we probably could have gone for, for many, many more hours. There's just so much information out there to go over. But I hope you enjoyed these two parts because we did cover a lot. And I'm like I said, I'm sure there will be – much more in the future. I I believe that, and I said it earlier, and I'll say it again, 2024 is going to give us a lot to talk about when it comes to the UAP subject. And it's not over yet, obviously, because you know I always got something up my sleeve and something else coming up. Because in a few days' time, uh, maybe early on next week, before the end of the month, I'm going to release an interview that I did with Michael Sinkowski. And if you're not familiar with who that is, Michael Sinkowski is the... Marine veteran who came out and said, yeah, I saw that jellyfish UAP video right after it happened. He was on with Jeremy Corbell. He's been on News Nation and now he's on with me and we spoke and it was a really cool conversation. He's a great guy. 
um, you know, ready and willing to put this information out there, what he knows and what this could be. We go over all the theories, balloons, this and that, all the stuff, his conversations with uh, Stephen Greenstreet and Mick West and everybody that he's spoken to. We cover all the bases. It's a really great conversation, and, and I really appreciate uh, appreciate his time um, and his, his candidness, uh, you know, just to be so open in the interview that we had together. So... Enjoy this episode. Hopefully you enjoy these two parts. Maybe you want to go back and listen, whatever you want to do. And then keep in mind, a few days from now, that interview with myself and Michael Sinkowski will be out right here on UAP Weekly. But until then, be sure to continue to download the show, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow on social media, especially Twitter is where I spend most of the time. But I do want to get more videos out. That is my New Year's resolution is to get more videos out on YouTube and on the other platforms like TikTok and Instagram. Try to get UAP out there more. Spread the word, too. If, if you if you enjoy the show and if you appreciate what I do on here, uh, spread the word. Tell your friends who are interested or even maybe kind of on the fence with the issue. Let them know that, you know, we're out here and, and, and you like the show. Maybe they'll get something from it as well. But I'm going to try to get out there more on video. That is my uh, New Year's resolution. So hopefully I'll be able to tackle that pretty soon but at ua podcast 850 on social media like i said especially twitter at ua podcast 850 you can find me and of course on email sdiener uap that's s-d-i-e-n-e-r uap at gmail.com if you'd like to send an email instead of using social media you can always do that as well i try to get back to everybody i will eventually get back to you i promise but until next time it's steven diener here on uap the unidentified alien podcast weekly edition Can't wait to talk to you again soon. I really think you're going to enjoy a lot of the stuff coming up. But until then, have a great rest of your day, a great week. And as always, thank you so much. Talk to you soon.